0: I'm Ben Flanagan. Welcome to Bammers. Remember when Tiger Woods upstaged the Iron Bowl? Holy cow, it's been 10 years since this happened. With a few minutes left in the first quarter of the 2009 Iron Bowl, things weren't really rolling for the Tigers.
1: <laughs> And Auburn leads by 13.
0: And then came the breaking news that would shock the sports world forever.
1: Tim Brando in New York. The Orlando Sentinel is reporting that Tiger Woods was seriously injured in a car accident early this morning. According to the Florida Highway Patrol, Woods pulled out of his driveway in the Isleworth community when he struck a fire hydrant and drove into a tree on his neighbor's property. Woods was transported to Health Central Hospital. According to the Florida Highway Patrol, Woods was in serious uh, condition. WESH in Orlando reported that he was treated for facial lacerations. And according to the Florida Highway Patrol, alcohol did not play a role in the crash. But charges are pending. We'll update you at halftime. All right, Tim Brando, thank you so much. Our best, of course, to Tiger Woods. Well, what an impact in the game of golf. And our wishes... To Tiger. We just hope for the best in a situation like this. We don't know the, any more than what we were told.
0: It was vague. We didn't have many details. But Alabama fans did know one thing. They didn't care.
2: Because like when the weather report comes on, and you're like, well, I don't care. Unless, unless the tornado knocks out my cable. I don't care. Like, show the game. Which is an
3: insane feeling to have. But we're all insane. That's why we like these games sports figure in the world at that time, and, you know, this is a really bizarre story about him, and we have only a, a fragment of the details, but, hey, show Let's get back to the game.
0: The most famous athlete on the planet had been involved in a car accident. As it all unfolded, and we learned more about the scandal that would rock Tiger Woods' personal and professional lives, it became the biggest sports story of that year, and in recent memory. But at the time, Bama still had work to do. They lose to Auburn, they might kiss their first national title in 17 years goodbye. That is all that mattered. Nobody knew or cared why CBS broke in with updates about Tiger Woods. This was the Iron Bowl. It was a close game. Auburn was winning. Alabama fans wanted focus from their team and the people broadcasting the game. ESPN's Paul Feinbaum remembers the moment clearly.
4: I was in the press box, I think it was before the game. You may know, I'm I just remember it vaguely, but we were all sitting up there, and it happened. And that's all we, I mean, it, it, it just totally hijacked uh, the event. That's all we could think about. That's all we talked about. And as you probably know, uh, I think I interviewed Armin Katayan on that book that he wrote a couple of months ago. He said that the, the Tiger Woods uh, incident was on the front page of the new york post for 21 consecutive days <laughs> he, said, he said nothing uh including uh 9-11 and, and natural disasters have never been on, on on the on the front page that long so yeah i mean the second you you, you heard uh you heard that you knew it was going to be a big deal now i will say by the end of the by the end of the afternoon as we were standing on the sideline watching uh alabama come come from behind uh I, we'd momentarily forgotten it but uh it didn't go away for a long time though. But I do remember uh, 2000 as well. I think it was an Alabama game. It was the Iron Bowl that was may have been interrupted, or at least at maybe before the game. For the uh, there was a there was a there was a ruling on uh, Gore Gore versus Bush. But I, I distinctly remember being in shock when I heard that. I mean, I, there have been other incidences where big events have happened on Saturday afternoons. I, I believe. Uh, The Israeli Prime Minister Rabin was uh, assassinated uh, on a Saturday afternoon. It may have been—I can't remember the game, Um, uh, but—but yeah, I distinctly remember that one.
0: The man navigating both worlds that day was then CBS Sports studio anchor Tim Brando. Now a national sports commentator for Fox Sports, Brando has spent decades covering college football. Prior to Fox. He worked at ESPN and CBS.
1: Tim Brando in New York. You are looking live at the crash scene in Orlando, the scene at Tiger Woods' home. The Orlando Sentinel is reporting that Tiger Woods was seriously injured in a car accident early this morning. We'll update you have to. All right, Timmy, thanks. We'll update you, I'm sure, all day long on Tiger Woods and that situation. Well, great news that he was released from yes.
2: the hospital. That's a... Uh that gets a
4: lot of people breathing a lot easier, I know that. The
0: man also has a steel trap of a memory when it comes to his career in sports history. And as a longtime golf lover, his role in breaking the biggest sports story of the year during the biggest college football game of the season is one that he'll never forget.
1: Normally, uh, we would stay at the Riga Royal Hotel, Spencer, myself, um, Archie Manning, Tony Barnhart, whoever else happened to be with us. We generally had a uh, Spencer. It was Spencer and me every week. Some weeks it was Tony. Some weeks it was Archie. I can't remember who the third wheel was that particular uh, weekend. Uh, but I, I just remember us leaving the hotel. We, we, we go in pretty early. Um, earlier than people might anticipate on Saturdays, even though the game started at 3.30 Eastern and 2.30 Central, we usually had an hour free game show for the Iron Bowl. And um, and as, as, as I recall, I had no sooner gotten up, turned on the television in my room, and I'm not sure which news cable it was that happened to be on first, but I saw there were choppers in Windermere, Florida overhead of this compound. I was like, What huh? You know, as I'm getting ready to leave. Uh, and then I thought, Oh boy, this is going to be an interesting day because news like this is is something that is about a player, you know, an icon like Tiger Woods, arguably done the most famous athlete in the world. I knew we were going to have to deal with this, you know, and yet it's the Iron Bowl; it's it's a pretty big game, and so maybe because I, I know where I'm from and I know how important college football is to those in our audience, I kept thinking to myself, oh, boy, I'm going to be the no-good so-and-so that at some point today has to interrupt the football game of football games to give an update. on t- I, I, I was wary of what I was going to have to do before I even got in the in the car service to head to uh, the CBS to the broadcast center, which was a quick drive. It was only like five minutes away uh, from our hotel. But and I, I remember joking to some extent with the guys as I was getting in the car saying, well, this this isn't going to be exactly what we thought it was going to be today. It's going to be a different than just previewing the game. There'll be more to it than that. Because if you recall, what had happened, it happened overnight. It was a major story that morning. And it was going to continue to be a fluid situation, you know, all afternoon. And that meant it was going to impact what we did on the air at CBS. I mean, I I remember, and this was not the first time that that had happened, in the time that I hosted the college football today on CBS. You may recall in uh, 1998, they were actually re-airing it today on the SEC Network, I think before Feinbaum came on. Arkansas was playing – Tennessee and the Clint Sterner, was it a fumble or not a fumble game? And we also had Virginia Tech playing Miami at the same time, going to another part of the country. And we knew through CBS News that we were going to be bombing Bosnia that day, that the United States would be. <laughs> and, and I was going to have to take both of our audiences, the Tennessee-Arkansas audience and the, and the Virginia Tech-Miami uh, audience, and this is when Michael Vick was at Virginia Tech, so that was a really big thing too. We we still had Big East football back in those days, along with the SEC, and uh, that was my first year at CBS. And I remember, you know, the game with Arkansas, and Tennessee was huge. I mean, it had major national championship implications. If Tennessee loses the game, they probably don't, you know, go to the BCS title. And and I, I, I've got to interrupt and tell people we're throwing it to Dan Rather. You know, in 10 seconds time and hope and pray that Dan gets through quickly enough so that we don't miss anything important in that game. <laughs> and, uh, I had a similar feeling when I was, uh, just knew that this Tiger Woods story was, was happening. Uh, I just knew, oh my God, I'm, I'm the grim reaper that's going to interrupt, uh, the iron bowl for, for this story, which, uh, had to be done. It's a news item. It's got to be done, but you know, the majority of the, uh, very loyal audience that's, that's involved is not going to be happy with you at all. So I was very wary of it.
0: My brother Graham was working in New York City at the time. He was looking forward to watching the game like a fan. But like Tim Brando found out that day, when you work in
5: live television,
0: plans change quickly.
5: At the time, I was working for CNN on the 8 p.m. show, which was the Campbell Brown show. And on that Friday, the day of the Iron Bowl, our show was preempted by previously recorded programming because of the holiday weekend. And so had the day off, but since I was in New York City, I was on call for the day. So I went to the Ainsworth to watch the Iron Bowl along with a lot of other Alabama expats in New York City and uh, sat down to enjoy the game. I remember I had a Bud Light draft I was ready to start sipping on. Uh, The game started, got a little ways into it, and then they broke into the programming with this breaking news alert that Tiger Woods was in a car accident. And it caught everybody by surprise for sure. Um, And then literally no less than a couple of minutes later, I got a call on my work BlackBerry from our show's senior producer, Ted Fine, who asked me, to uh, come in and be part of that that skeleton crew that would now man the control room for the live breaking news coverage of what had happened with Tiger that was still developing at that time. We had no idea what to think. Uh, we, we thought he was simply in a car wreck. Well, that was going to be the uh, first and last Bud Light of my Iron Bowl experience uh, because I knew I had to sort of shift gears uh, from party mode to getting ready to head back to CNN Um, So got to the control room and and, uh, as that night went on, uh, more details came out about the uh, background of what had happened. And uh, let's just say that I was a little upset that Tiger's domestic squabble had interrupted my Iron Bowl experience. Uh, But I'll never forget it. And let's just say shortly after that, I got out of the breaking news business.
0: Well, and as a broadcaster, Tim, for a top network, you know, I'm sure in ways you're hoping for big breaking news occasionally like this, but does it ever come at any price? Like in this case, breaking in for updates on a game like the Iron Bowl, where the number one team in the country is playing, it's a huge game. Or do updates like this keep viewers watching the game for more updates?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's part of it. It's, it's live sports television. And when you're dealing with that, there's just no getting around it. You. That's your job. That's part of what we do. And the, the hope is that you can do it eloquently, get the information out there so people are up to speed, but then get back to the game with the understanding that you know uh, the majority of that audience is invested in the college football game, not not the breaking story. Now, some are bigger than others. I would argue that the first time I had to do it in 98 with the bombing of ogneo was probably... You know, from a global standpoint, far more important than a domestic uh, problem in the the driveway of Tiger Woods and and his wife's home in Windermere, Florida, but it is what it is. You still have to treat both, I think, the same way if you're in my position.
0: You're providing these in-game updates during one of the biggest college football games of the year, one that would sort of help define the BCS championship picture at that point and even... So it could even disrupt the launch of Alabama's dynasty if Auburn pulls off the upset. But I just think it's so interesting. Looking back, Tiger in Alabama basically went in polar opposite directions that day, and, and there you were, stuck right in the crossroads.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were some incredible shots, though, uh, if you remember. I mean, I, I don't know that um, you know the, the choppers that were flying overhead of his home it had this sort of surreal O.J. compound look about it from 1994, you know, for those old enough to remember that. The story wasn't at all like that, but just the visual that you saw was so bizarre. You know, we didn't get as much, my, my recollection is that we didn't get a lot of uh, pushback on how we handled it, not as much as you think. And I think in large measure it was because it was Tiger Woods, you know. He, he, he's always moved the needle, and that's for everyone in sport, not just golf. So I think that people understood because this was going on, and it was a big, big deal uh, that they understood. And we tried our best, as I recall, going back and looking at it, because I was I was in my producer's ear and talking you know, before we ever got on the air that day, because I did a couple of cut-ins before our shows even came on the air. We had other... You know, at 10 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning, there was other kinds of programming on CBS at that time. I think maybe even some cartoons, if memory serves me correctly. <laughs> um, and so I did a couple of uh, inserts, as we like to call them, on tape and put it in, and they ran it on the network at that time. Um, you know, a lot of local stations are carrying other programming on Saturday mornings besides CBS, but we still have network programming that's on the air. And, and they had me do some inserts. So that helped prepare me for what we were going to do once we got on the air with the college football today, which, is, I, 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 as I told you, was an hour show, not, not its usual 30 minutes that particular day. We always had you know, a lot at stake at that time, and I was just happy that um, you know, other weeks and other years I would have been gone doing the Friday games between Arkansas and LSU and then flying in Saturday morning, I'm glad that I actually happened to be in New York at that time. I didn't do the LSU-Arkansas game that year, uh, and I can't remember why not, but I didn't. So I was there on Friday, woke up in my own bed, saw what was happening, and had an understanding of what I was in for. And that that really helps you a little bit, I think, when you're in that situation. There's an old saying uh Kurt Gowdy used to tell us, this was true in 2008 when I was doing the, uh, SEC championship and Alabama was playing Mississippi State in basketball and we had a, you know, a, a tornado hit the Georgia Dome, uh, in the middle of, um uh, in the middle of, uh, you know, overtime in a college basketball game and, uh, Mikhail Riley hit that three point shot and we continued to play and as a result we hadn't been, you know, people that game could have ended and people would have been on the streets of Atlanta when a tornado uh, came through. And we didn't realize at the time, you know, how important the news story, our, our basketball game was becoming, but it, it became that. So you had to switch gears and our, w- whether it's backstory or it's one like the Tiger Woods story that morning of the Iron Bowl, the thing you have to remember as a broadcaster is, and Kurt Gowdy, my idol, for so many years, the American sportsman and Hall of Fame broadcaster with uh, with NBC for many years, uh, he told me when I was really young in the business. He said, "Kid, remember this: when you're doing live sports television, they don't necessarily pay you for what we do. They don't pay us for what we do. They pay us for what we might have to do." And, and that's true whether you're at a game site and uh, and you're doing a ball game, and there's a, an earthquake like at the World Series. With Al Michaels or a tornado like I had at the, uh, SEC basketball tournament in 2008. Or when you're in a situation in the studio and you're thinking you're going to be given scores and updates worried about, um, you know, other games in college football and you wind up having to, uh, coordinate, uh, a news story like that or, uh, the United States bombing another country or something. You know, you just, you never know when you're in live sports television. Because it's fluid, you never know what might happen in a given setting, and you got to be prepared to handle
0: it. Oh, and as for the game, Bama pulled it out.
1: Got the big fella in the backfield. are going to out rollout. at church!
0: And ten years later, Alabama football is still on top of the college football world.
1: Jump ball, incomplete, and Alabama stays undefeated.
0: And Tiger Woods, he's doing pretty well too.
1: Many doubted we'd ever see it. Here it is. The return to glory.
0: Stick around for more BAMMERS.
6: Hey, Alabama fans. Ever heard the term fog? I'm going to let our friend and Twitter maestro, Hunter Johnson, explain. Okay, so Hunter, tell me what a fog
2: is. A fog is a football-only gump. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, you know what a gump is, and so it's one of those who only cheers for football.
6: Mm-hmm. Okay, and where did this term come from? When do you remember first hearing it or saying it?
2: I think I remember it coming around about 2011, 2012. I don't think that I came up with it, but... People have said that I did. I don't recall coming up with it, but I, I, it might have just been one of those like stream of consciousness things where it just came out. And like I think I was the first person to start using it on Twitter. And it's incredible now to see like mainstreamers using the term "fog." Like you right. have Cecil Hurt use the term "fog," and people ask Cecil, "What's a fog?" Right. So,
6: so and you've kind of become. If you didn't coin it, you've definitely become like the leader of the charge, right? And so can you tell me just a little bit about why you, a supporter of all things Alabama sports and Alabama in general, like why do you have such an issue with people who only support the football program?
2: The University of Alabama is a university. It's not a professional team. It's not a professional franchise. When you sign up to become a fan of that, it's not like signing up to become a fan of the Falcons. Like, you know, that's all they have is the Falcons. No, you're signing up to become a fan of the entire university and all its teams and everything that that university does. I mean, you should be. A, you should also be a fan of the university's academics. Don't treat it like a pro team. And and it's even worse now because of all the success that we've had, it makes it a lot easier for people to jump on the bandwagon. Don't just jump on the football bandwagon. Like, there's other teams here that need other student athletes and teams that need and deserve the support. And so, do you
6: feel like that can create? infighting i guess among the fan base where it's like there's a resentment for a type of fan who only spends their time and effort and stress supporting this aspect of alabama athletics where do you feel like it's almost not worth the stress to worry about that or do
2: you think it's worth like we need to point this out and we need to get everybody on board i mean the problem is with the fogs you're really not going to change their mind like, they'd rather follow football recruiting than they would a basketball game. Um, they're front frontrunners. They, um, and a lot of them just don't get the other sports. And all they knew, they grew up on Coach Bryant football, and, like, that's what they know. I will say that I think it's a lot more prevalent in the older generation, and we're not going to ta- change those people's mind anyway. But I feel like in the younger generation, there's a lot less of the fogging going around. Well, so you – That's the first time I've ever said fogging. Okay. I said.
6: Well, I, I think we can use that. Okay. Okay. Um, but is football just too big for the rest of the program? I guess. Like, can these other programs, they obviously can't have as much overall success because not as many resources go into it, but. Is like You got, you have all these people saying, well, Alabama can't have a good basketball
2: program because of the football program. Do you buy that? I do not buy that at all, and obviously I'm going to make the same point that so many other people make. is Florida in 2006, their football program was huge, basketball program was great, and Florida being a non-historically traditional basketball program did that. It's all about hiring the right coach. Well, it's no different than saying Alabama can't be good at softball because you're too good at at, at football. Obviously, that's not the case. Um, So, yeah, you can be successful in all sports. It just takes hiring the right coach and making a financial commitment, which I know we've made a financial commitment starting with the Anthony Grant era. Um, So it's all about finding that right coach. And I know – I mean – like you said, we were a traditionally a historical basketball program. And even at times that we were, you know, in the 70s, we were really good at football. We we're also really good at basketball. So it can definitely be done.
6: And so you were telling me the worst kind of Alabama fan is an Alabama football fan and a Kentucky basketball there, fan. So
2: there's one group of people that are worse than Fogs. And I guess they kind of inherently are Fogs, but they're like the worst of the Fogs. So the the worst, the scourge of humanity, the worst human beings on the planet are people who f- cheer for Alabama in football and Kentucky in basketball, you are saved for one person. My friend Kelly Bozeman, who works at the University of Kentucky, she is the only one who is okay to do this.
6: Okay, so you probably know some people who do this, right? Other you know, than her, of,
2: I got fraternity brothers who did who do this. I so got, you give them- I got Twitter followers who do this, mm-hmm. no, and I literally will tell them you're one of the worst people <laughs> in the world. I mean, I, I, I might could be friends with you. Uh-huh. You're one of the worst people in the world.
6: Yeah, okay, and so why are they the worst?
2: Because they, they're clearly just – they, they're, they're people who are from the southeast. You're like, oh, I'm going to pick the best team in football and the best team in basketball.
6: One of those Alabama football fans who also loves Kentucky basketball is my good friend Suzanne Robertson. She lives and works in Atlanta now, and I can tell you, she's one of the best people you'll ever meet.
3: My dad is from Kentucky, went to UK, and my mom also went to college at a very small school in Kentucky, where she fell in love with Kentucky basketball. So, from some of my earliest like, childhood sports memories are Kentucky basketball, especially during those Patino era, the mid-90s, when they won. It was the three straight national championships, so you know. They lost in '97. I can still remember going to school after that loss. But they won in '96 and '98, and I, I was I was in love with those teams. Like I had, we had the posters. We had the, would order a yearbook, like a Wildcat basketball yearbook, that had stats and fun facts about all the players. <laughs> and uh, so that's really where, where the Kentucky basketball influence came from. And and at the time, Auburn football, which is Obviously, not where my allegiance lies these days. I went to Alabama not for the football team. Anytime I say, "Oh yeah, I like I'm I'm a huge Alabama football fan," but yes, I like Kentucky basketball. And they say, "Oh, are you a fan of the Patriots and the Yankees too?" I'm like, no. I went to school when Alabama had three different head coaches in four years, and I think we made the Cotton Bowl one year. We were not good. It was not the Saban era. So we. Uh, you know, we suffered for <laughs> those times, and I will say I went there not as an Alabama fan. I even I have two older brothers who are both huge Auburn fans and remain Auburn fans to this day. And they sat me down and jokingly, but kind of seriously, said, "You're our sister. We forgive you. We cheer for the tide. We care about your safety." <laughs> and I think it was. It was it was joking, but at the same time, I think they were kind of like, "Oh, you got you know, it's gonna happen," and I, but it makes family functions all the more fun now. Do they send me memes from the kick six? Of course they do, but that's just you know that adds a little variety to the otherwise all Auburn household slash Kentucky basketball.
6: You can't help what you're born into. Sometimes that gives you a lot of options as a sports fan. For Suzanne, it was all in the family.
3: When I was actually at Alabama, I became a huge Alabama gymnastics fan, and they were also they were way better than the football team. They were they were very good, and I still will follow Alabama basketball. And you know, we there was a time when the Alabama made the the NCAA tournament, and that was I was cheering them on. Of course, I'm not going to hate on Alabama basketball because I like Kentucky basketball and brought that with me to my sports fandom, but I think that just as people who grow up in a, not it doesn't even have to be a city or state that doesn't have professional sports, you might pick various teams based on a player or the colors of the uniform or something you saw on TV that you really, that captured you and you became a fan instantly. I know people who are Yankees fans and Packers fans, but they're not going to be you know all, all Wisconsin teams or all New York teams. So I think it can exist in a place where you are a fan of both. Do I get slack for being a quote bandwagon fan? Yes, but I have to say I am not a bandwagon fan and you have to go back and explain that where it came from and that I did not grow up in the dynasty era of Satan. I know that some people aren't just aren't a fan of baseball. Are they gonna be diehard Alabama baseball fans just because that's tied to the school. Not necessarily, they may, they may not be your thing. I am not ever upset at Alabama's success in other sports. I am definitely pro Alabama in everything, but I bring that Kentucky basketball love and even Kentucky football. I'll watch it and you know I'll root for them. But it's like it's like people when they say that they're pro SEC and look for that our conference to stand out and that success is a mark of what the conference that we will arguably say is the best conference and give more weight to that argument
6: so what can people do you're a well-rounded fan you're certainly out there about that all the time on twitter and elsewhere so what can other fans do to be better alabama fans just like
2: all across the board well i get that you can't go to everything um you know, I lived in Fort Worth for five years. It was tough for me to get back for basketball games. But just pay attention. Keep up with it. You know, if you don't live in Alabama and, you know, Alabama basketball or Alabama golf or any of these teams are coming to your city, go see them. Just go out walk 18 holes. Go out go to a basketball Go to a women's basketball game. Just support the university that you support. It's not hard. Just keep up with it and, and you know, support all the sports. And don't be a Fog. Don't be a Fog.
6: For the foreseeable future, this is the final episode of Bammers. I'm not saying it'll be gone forever. If the right story pops up, we might come out of retirement. I think these 20 episodes should give people a fair glimpse into the minds of Alabama fans. One comment that I've gotten perhaps more than any other about this show is, don't you know that word Bammer is making fun of Alabama fans? You might want to think about changing the title. And yeah, I do know that. And that's partly why I chose it. For one thing, The next Alabama fan that I meet who is bothered by that term will be the first. And one thing I love about this fan base is that they often choose to embrace the hate. You often hear that Alabama's brand of football is quote-unquote joyless murder ball. And the more you complain about the championships, the blowouts, that boring brand of college football, it's just going to keep feeding the egos of Alabama fans. It enriches the superpower. So yeah, we're Bammers. So what? Thanks to Tim Brando, Paul Feinbaum, Hunter Johnson, Suzanne Robertson, and Ascot Friday. Thanks for joining us on our deep
0: dive into Alabama football's fascinating fan culture. Bammers is produced and hosted by Ben Flanagan for AL.com. You can find all episodes and other bonus content on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Additional audio from CBS. If you like the show please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks for listening.